I feel really gassy. It's because um, you've been eating too quickly. You're in a hurry. I ate my sausages too quickly. I, I had sausages too, and I ate oh, them too nice. Quickly. It's like a sausage day, though. It's like sausage and red grain. wine. We are on sausage a sausage and red wine. <laughs> In the gruesome aftermath of the Holocaust, Paul Celan stated that there could be no more poetry. The disaster had swallowed everything, bones and all. Not poetry perhaps, but maybe something else could come into existence. In 1985, Russian filmmaker Elem Klimov shot what would become one of the most traumatic projects ever undertaken in post-war European cinema. I'm talking, of course, about come and see. People walked out, collapsed. Ambulances were called. In its brutality, its agonizing grimace, it lingers. But more than 30 years later, Vaclav Mahul, a Czech filmmaker, would embark on a very similar project, The Painted Bird. Two stories which trace, unblinking, the carnival of bloodletting that would swamp Eastern Europe during the dying days of the Second World War. Two untrained, untutored protagonists, a sprawling cast of madmen and peasants and soldiers and whores, of grimacing mugs and beaten bodies burned, the buildings roman reimagined. Two journeys that seem to ask whether innocence is even possible when we confront a world of unimaginable evil. As Klimov said in a later 2001 interview, he didn't even show the half of it. Joining me to discuss these interweaving tales of evil and adolescence are, is, I should say, as ever, Ralph Pritchard. Ralph, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm in decent shape. I've been looking forward to doing this podcast. Um, Same. Yeah. I mean, shall I just put my cards on the table? I'm, I, I feel like I almost want to write down a bit of paper what I think your okay. view is going to be. And I hope Go it aligns on. with me, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just let you say it. All right. No, no, tell me what you think I would think about these. My, about. My, my, my feeling is obviously these two films are closely interrelated. Um, Come and See is a far, far, far superior and um, important piece of cinema and cultural, a part of cultural history part of the collective imagination of like post-Holocaust Europe. Painted Bird is fine um, and tries to outshock us, I think. But it's far, ultimately... This um, is what you more. think I'll... Th- I, no, this is what yeah, you think Yeah, I think it's... Like. A, yeah, I think. But I, I agree with this. This is also my view. But obviously right, I'm right, kind right. of like showing... Sh- I'm showing brain here, but I also think that... Um, <laughs> Rather than giving yeah, brain. <laughs> giving brain, showing brain. They're also Painted Bird is uh, too cynical. Um, ultimately, and uh, the come and see offers the possibility of 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 um, not necessarily redemption, but it isn't completely uh, like doesn't completely diss like the human. Yeah, psyche. like the, the, the come yeah. and see. I would say the difference is come and see presents uh, there being something worth mourning. Uh, yeah. In as 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 the stench of dead bodies rise um, rises there is a feeling that something has been lost. Uh, whereas the world portrayed by the painted bird is one where, you know, you, you'd you be fine throwing it all in the bin, you know, because everyone it's seems to everyone. prove themselves to be amoral, immoral, whichever one it is, um, yeah. and cruel and, you know, pathetic. Depraved, just made made animal by, by, yeah. by not even war, because it's largely war is... I mean, every character that comes into that boy's life is either, like, horrible comes and abusive, or, yeah, <laughs> either, they're either horrible and abusive, or they're, like, nice to him, but they're immediately going to be dispatched mm. um, by someone horrible and abusive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I basically agree with your take. 
I think I'll just go a little bit further and say that the painted bird is is a piece of um, shameless exploitation. Um, yes, it, with like very ahead. little, very little redeeming um, this, stylistic touches. No, there's very little to redeem the painted bird because it obviously it was. There's Ralph unscrewing the cap on his wine. Um, it obviously putting a bit of red wine ASMR. <laughs> um, it obviously walks in the footsteps of uh, come and see very very deliberately the, the narratives are very similar even though um, uh, thank you Ralph very peaky there can fit it out uh, even though uh, you know sort of both both um, both stories are based on a book um, Adamovich's novel which is the the foundation of uh, come and see which was uh, Adamovich actually came and worked with Klimov on come and see they worked on it together um, and uh, Jerzy Kaczynski's novel, The Painted Bird, which um, uh, Mahul adapted as The Painted Bird. But you're right, like the world, we, the, in a kind of structural way, the films are laid out in a very similar format. It's a journey, it's, that's why I call it a buildingsroman, but like an evil buildingsroman. Um, mm. They are a, a journey of adolescence and coming of age um, where two young actors, well, two young protagonists kind of see or expose the world of, of war, what happens in a society where kind of society collapses and evil reigns um and they they're both episodic films fundamentally they both go mm. through a series of trials you might call them um mm. or a series of encounters or trials they fall into the orbit of various kind of um almost like avuncular figures in one way or another like they because they're a child they they still then they can't really look after themselves it's interesting that both directors used untrained actors so they um in both cases the, the character in painted bird is younger i think he was about 10 um and the the character in um uh come and see was about 15 so he's a bit older mm. and a bit more worldly um which kind of has influenced like how the directors treated them so glimorve had a uh, actually a hypnotist on set and it, his view was to kind of he wanted to make sure that the child was um, properly processing even though it's 15 like properly processing what he was seeing and doing um, and he was a lot more cautious about what would happen even though he was quite flippant about it um, and Mahal was very much I think the the child and it wasn't given a full script at any point he was just told to act in particular scenes and react in a certain way um, often he staged the the shots in a way that the kid didn't really see what was happening um like the the scene where the girl's like masturbating in the same next to him apparently so he he wasn't mm. aware of what she was doing he couldn't see her physically see her and when it came to the screen was that like a child protection thing kind, kind of i mean parents would have been told yeah would have said well we really may, maybe i think the parents were fully on board with it um but I think it was more partly partly i mean it's czech republic god knows um but it, the child was like the parents wanted him to the kid to attend the opening night the the premiere and vaclav mahul was really opposed to that and he's like i really don't want him seeing the whole film um yeah like the same the bit where the guy is like like doing up his belt walking out of the bedroom and the kid's crying yeah like all these bits of like adult knowledge that's the thing i want to be 11 and seeing me in that scene being raped realizing in that moment i mean I, there's a lot of moments in the painted bird and i think one of the reasons that feels quite exploitative i think kids should just mm. be told i think totally i think Klimov was right Klimov was right in saying that the child is is obviously there's a bit of an age difference i think Klimov was right saying ultimately we're supposed to be seeing the story through a child's eyes yeah, but still at painted 10 bird. you have like I mean, firstly, like, they're both films about growing up quickly. Um, secondly, like, when you're 10, you do have, like, you know, you, you definitely know what sex is. You know what violence is. You know about, um, like, I was listening to Eminem when I was 10. Like, I knew, <laughs> not, you know, going into my own uh, history. No, but... no, 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 no. Like, there's, you know, they're not stupid 10-year-olds, you know. No, but like, actually they also no matter, appreciate... No matter how much we want them to be, maybe, you know, because they're, they're 10-year-olds yeah. actually, I think, are kind of the most astute in a way. They have no ambiguities. They have that childlike openness um, before you get into the sort of like wanky self-conscious adolescence. 
Well, they don't they don't fence off their emo- like for an adult. You build up all of these um, delusions and lies that explain your mm. behavior and other people. It might be like, well, you know, like you know, for a child, violence is violence, and uh, uh, you know, sort of someone who's been abused or offended or injured is somebody who's been abused or offended or injured whereas you're an adult you're like well you know they had it coming or oh well you know there's you know it's about sensitivity and you build these fences up Hmm. and you justify behavior because you're like well it's much more complicated than that and there's reasons why these things happen but when you're a child you see violence and you don't preempt it with oh well you know they didn't help themselves really did they Um, yeah but there is a there's a i mean the thing that i felt most i i I'll just very briefly, and it will be brief because there isn't much to say on this. I will briefly say like some of the good things about the painted bird. Yeah, do the good things. The main it, it had um, it had moments. The main good thing for me about okay, I got two good things. <laughs> um, <laughs> number one, number one. I thought the, the like the portrayal of um, actually okay, three things. Spanish Inquisition. Um, the first thing <laughs> is that I thought the portrayal of um, the way that the boy kind of learns a world without love, um, I found that pretty compelling. The scene right at the very, towards the very end where the father um, tries to explain to him that he did his best and he just starts smashing the windows and can't handle it. Like that felt that felt pretty. And it's painful to watch, but that felt pretty real and like a genuine response to being like harmed and exploited. Which almost felt like I almost felt like the actor was probably doing their most real moment in that moment. Like mm. fuck me being in this film, trying to like exp- you know this like sensational shit film. Like you know fuck this. Like it felt like the kid was like literally like lashing out at the director in that moment. Um, the 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 kind of surrogate father figure of the director yeah yeah exactly um i think yeah the director probably thinks of himself as being like the the father guy who turns up at the end and then and then there's the the, th- the second well the third thing i was going to say that's good about it is the ending where his ending is quite good where he he puts his name on the window when he notices that his father's been in in one of the camps yeah, um, he sees the numbers on his arm, the, yeah. the kind of uh, the tattoo. That was pretty clever. I th- it sort of annoyed. Like I was pretty annoyed at the film by the end of it. I thought I was like, this mm. is pretty fucking terrible cinema um, that I'm yeah. being made to watch. Um, and I was there, but there was there were, you know I sort of I found it in my heart to appreciate that ending just because it was yeah. like it gives. But it still felt a little bit cheap. I felt like just because there's so there's none of there's no there isn't really much reason why he would suddenly like suddenly have that realization write his name out and then he doesn't tap the guy to show him the name he just does it it's just sort of like it's like a bit too cinema it's not that simple to suddenly for normality to be resumed like yeah exactly he's seen all this horrible stuff but i don't worry daddy's here and normality's being resumed i mean it it promises a a kind of um lazy lazy redemption like all this is behind us um, and he's on a nice bus now and he's traveling, you know, to to the kind of future, um, whereas Come and See doesn't offer that kind of moral clarity. It's, it's Do you want to know ways- what number two is? Yeah, go on. My things that's good about Painted Bird. Labina. <laughs> Labina. <laughs> the the, the nymphomaniac at the farm who shags a mm. goat at the end. There's a good... Um, I thought she was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's also been traumatised by existence in this in this um, kind of carnival. She's like the girl in Come and See. She's kind of a stand-in for her. It's, it's interesting how many, how much, how many notes oh, he's been The girl in Come and See is such a much better... Everything about Come and See is much better than The Painted Bird. The Painted Bird is, is, is ultimately dog shit and will be forgotten quite quickly yeah, after. I'm after glad the, you're saying that. The laurels of the festivals have, have faded away. No one will talk about The Painted Bird. It was a, it we'll it was be a bad about film. Come and see. Good, I'm glad you're saying that. What's your number three? What's your third? Uh, oh, I said number three. Boy. I did it back out of order. Oh, number okay. one is that the boy responds to trauma in a way that I feel is real. You know, like he kind of understands a world full of violence and reproduces it rather than like picking another option that felt kind of like honest and real uh like where he when love is shown he would distrust and rejects it you know that felt like honest you know painful but honest second was like yeah. I, I thought labina was kind of fit yeah fair um, you wanted to be the goat i see <laughs> 
Um, that was like some light, some light relief in a very dark yeah. and um, on, on uh, unforgiving yeah. film. And number three was uh, the ending was with the writing his name out on the thing was quite yeah. neat. But as I said, that's not, but there was there was very little space for him to be a boy. It kind of um, the the interesting thing about come and see in comparison is that uh, the protagonist um, it's always about his his kind of incomprehension his inability to process what he's seeing so there's so much of the film lingers on his face uh, Mahul lingers on the boy's face in a way as part of the kind of artful composition that looks towards film grabs screen grabs and kind of movie posters exactly um, yeah it's all oriented towards that that one shot like the money shot whereas come and see constantly refers back to the boy's face as like a, a barometer of what we're seeing yeah, and often increasingly totally. that face that face ages so by the end of the film he's got this almost kind of and it's good that he did this almost kind of like bad uh face face makeup to make him look incredibly aged you know sort of like these wrinkles and he's gone gray but it constantly refers back to his face and we're constantly looking at that because we're we're aware of the kind of parallel between the title of the film and the boy's face just come and see we're being invited to bear witness to this as a, an innocent and outsider knows nothing of this um because he you know uh for, for a large extent um uh, Klimov was making a film that was directed towards an international audience who might not have seen this firsthand, and he was saying, "Come, look at this." He was rubbing our mm. face and he was saying, "Look at this, look at this. Can you process this?" And we yeah. can't, and we see the boy's face, and his the boy, considering he's an untrained actor, and I think that's part of the reason why he was so good. And Klimov's way of putting it was that if he'd used an actor, the actor creates an emotional distance between what he's, you know, he sees himself as a character that's reading lines in a situation. The boy isn't. The boy is really feeling and experiencing these things. Um, and we see his face and we see the, the almost like his face is static, you know. It kind of, there's, there's moments where the, his mouth is almost blurred in the in the edit you know and it's mm. his eyes are open and gaping and he's got this look of incomprehensible grief you know when the, the body's had too much and it can't process anymore and he's con he's increasingly in that position um and it's really really effective emotionally effective um to see that and again i felt like yeah the painted bird was just trying to do that but by the laziest route possible and i also don't like mahul I, as a i read an interview with him and he the most interesting thing of what he said was that bear in mind that mahul is um in the military he's a military man which is interesting mm. um uh in, in very voluntary capacity um not that that makes you kind of incapable of, of processing things but i think when you make a war film it it, it raises questions as opposed to a conscript maybe or whatever um, mm. But he kind of says, "Oh well, I can really understand the experience of 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 the um, Shoah, and I can understand the experience of the Holocaust because you know I went to a well, and what the boy's going through because I you know I went to a private school in in Prague and I was bullied and you know when I was at school so I can really appreciate what he's going through. It's like fuck off. That is not comparing you getting bullied at a prestigious private school is not the same as a child being." Right. Yeah, beaten. I actually think that's a pretty that's a that gives away quite a lot that comment, doesn't it? Because I feel like it really does. I feel like the violence of the Holocaust is being presented as though it were a you know a bad day at school. Yeah. Um, He's like, oh no, not, not in terms again. of the scale of the violence, but just in terms of the mm. personality of it. There is no yeah. kind of acknowledgement of the reality of a lot of conflict in war, kind of sales uneasily between you know you will encounter a particularly nasty ss guard um on this day and the structural fact that people are duty bound to carry out egregious acts of violence they yeah. will be killed if they don't kill you you know these kind of structures mm. that normalize violence like come and see doesn't um doesn't particularly care about the personalities. I mean, there's that amazing scene that I'd completely forgotten about where they've rounded up a bunch of the, the German... The very uh, end. Yeah, I towards the end. I forgot about the scene as well. The, yeah, they, they rounded up a bunch of the SS people. Some of them are, are like Russians who've gone to the German side and some of them are Germans. And so there's a bit of translating going on. And everyone's kind of decide. Everyone on the Russian side is kind of deciding like... So there's been this big siege where the village was burnt and you know, that everyone's kind of deciding what should we do with these people and they eventually decide to just shoot them all to death. 
but there's this kind of pontificating where this guy's kind of trying to talk himself out of being killed uh saying oh you know i never wanted this and i just you know i'm not really on their side you know and maybe do it yeah yeah and then and it's like yeah and this sort of what i got away from that scene was like it doesn't matter like this is war Mm. like you're yeah. you're you're going to be killed like so you know like that's like there is no <laughs> there aren't these kind of interpersonal considerations and the inverse of that is that like the personalities the kind of focus of put on personality it was just very neoliberal almost like the in the painted mm. bird like the focus yeah. on particular personalities like it just really didn't seem relevant at all like that guy like the no. stellan scars guard ss guard who like it seems kind of nice because he because yeah. he like st- he like takes the guy the boy away to be shot and then he sort of says go on you know get out and, he, he like, uh, fakes his death by shooting into the air yeah like that was but kind of it- gripping narrative like in a sort of thrillery way but it was like mm. not really relevant to the spirit of of war in my mind not that I've been in a war but it just seemed kind of like a bit Hollywood you know um, yeah with that scene it's interesting that the only redeemable character in that capacity is uh, Stellan Skarsgård's Nazi guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the most sympathetic character in the film is there's like an SS guard who doesn't shoot a child. Like mm. that feels like a bit fucked, right? <laughs> Not that I'm <laughs> trying does. to do like political judgments no, about this film, but... But at the same yeah. time, it's... it's it, it, the politics of the film, I think you're right when you call it kind of neoliberal consideration because I think what the Painted Bird says is the war is almost a, a backdrop to the film it, it seems to be saying that people are inherently evil and um uh, and uh violent mm. um because the situations we see are, are situations of plenty and safety as well the the mill owner who tear who's who in a fit of jealousy tears out um he, a, a guy that his wife he thinks flirted with he tears out his eyes um and torments the people that work for him, um, and that's obviously a, a Udo played wonderfully um, by Udo Kierstarmer. Udo Kierstarmer's role. It's a, it's a star. It's a star-studded QC. Um, QC. <laughs> it's a star-studded cast. Um, yeah, Harvey Keitel uh, plays like the the priest. The priest, like, which I didn't realise actually. I didn't realise that I, I was I like, really no, that's not fucking what Harvey Keitel. Looks like except when he's younger. But yeah, mm. that was. That, I just assumed everyone would just be like some. Czech person I never heard of. It was kind it didn't of weird. Need that all to these, be. Like, and then I recognised Udo Kier after like ten minutes. I was like, "Fucking hell, that's Udo Kier." I clocked him straight away. But other Stellan Skarsgård, but with yeah, with yeah, um, Stellan as well, actually. Yeah, it, I mean, it's yeah, it has a much more neoliberal consideration. It has a much more cynical consideration, which is that individuals are just inherently evil. Whereas with Come and See we're at least witnessing the, the madness that people are driven to through a situation and through wider social forces. Um, you know, ev- everyone is grieving and suffering and trying. And there's even characters who are, you know, he, he at various points he hangs out with. He, he, there's villagers who try and comfort him in their own way. There are um, the protagonists, the uh, partisans that he kind of uh, joins at various points who have a likability about them, although a, a madness as well. There's a, you know, when he joins a group of, of partisans who kind of make this clay, horrifying clay sculpture of, of Hitler, um, and they go and raid a warehouse for food. Um, mm. And they then kind of, it, it all goes horribly wrong and they, they are all killed, basically. Um, so there is him. many, except for him and uh you know he tries to leave this cow away which is their kind of their their loot um and the cow is kind of shot re- really shot i believe i think that it, it looks as if the cow was actually killed in the making of the yeah film. like the like eyes it's quite of the cow like like rolling revert, like flipping rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling around yeah. like, a, like a broken tv it was amazing mm. it's it. an incredibly like powerful scene real real ammunition as well they were firing on them in that scene right over their heads like meters above their heads um and it's an incredible commitment to the severity of what um, Klimov was showing. And it's part of the course with Klimov's career, right? Making uh, Agony, which we both watched a few days ago about Rasputin. I, did, I haven't watched it. I just skipped oh, through. I haven't watched it. it. Skip through. But again, I he, watched he, Farewells, which, which he made after his wife died. Farewells is a phenomenal her, her film as well, which I've been watching today. I haven't finished yet. But he's often concerned with structural that was a burning house, forces. doesn't he? Like old talks. He does. The, the parallels between Tarkovsky, it's interesting that um, he's not. there's not a mythology around Klimov, although I think he's an incredibly capable um, 
sublime filmmaker he's capable of the sublime in the way that um tarkovsky was like the opening yeah, of farewell, farewell where we see, oh. yeah where we see that it's like a boat. dream or something yeah it is a dream that it's very um zakalo it's very mirror it's yeah incredibly moving quite like um, the sacrifice as well just thematically it has mm, that that real kind of end of times feeling yeah the apocalyptic energy yeah the the bombings and the planes in um sacrifice uh, yeah i just i just think i mean comparing like Klimov and mahal is is pointless i mean because they're you know mahal is a hack Sorry. he's got got a serious book and he's like i'm gonna make a he's like the thing is he set out to make a serious holocaust film and that was the problem whereas Klimov was animated for about 10 years in the making of this film hmm. um refused to shoot it at one point because um the authorities so Goskino accepted the script um and then decided they didn't like Klimov that much because they felt like Agony his previous film um was too sympathetic towards Tsar Nicholas um and it kind of kind of blacklisted <laughs> him a bit always a problem Goskino always a problem just, Goskino just you know uh, like just <laughs> let them, let, you've literally got like some of the best filmmakers that ever lived Mm. And you just like just let them make fucking whatever they want to make. Like you know, you might not understand it, but it'll do well. It can. Come on, don't do well. It can. It's not it's exactly how... like bringing about like the downfall of the government. Like none of it's. I was fucking crazy. Mm. Like none of these films that got censored or cancelled by the by the Soviet government. Like none of them were in any way gonna ferment rebellion. They were just like really beautiful art films. Because they were, but it also goes to show this this sincerity of Russian culture in the sense of people um, listening to the messages. An art film has a lot more clout in Russia than it does in anywhere else mm. in the world. I think. I think I'm. It's true. It's yeah. One of the only countries to really appreciate, inherently appreciate the art of cinema. Um, like they all know who Tarkovsky is. Don't every Russian you meet knows who Tarkovsky is. Mm. Everyone knows who Tarkovsky is. But I mean, with that, I mean, Goskino kind of blacklisted. But it's testament as well to the kind of way that often censorship in the Soviet Union was is overstated, that he was blacklisted, but he had the opportunity to shoot it. He feigned illness for quite a few years in order to not shoot the film because he didn't want to be forced into making it in a way he didn't want. And it's just, it's no, no different from the, the, you know, if you're making um, Transformers 17 and the expectations that the writing staff of you know 27 writers who are on it want you to make and the 87 production agencies are involved in it i think the there is a understatement of how censorship works there's a very there's a real reality to it there's also an understatement um the overstatement sorry about how it operated you know someone like klamov still managed to make a fuckload of films in his career and then became head of Goskino um later um, and actually helped ease through a lot of films that would have otherwise um, Legend. Legend. got stuck up in the pipes. You know, he sacrificed his own practice as a filmmaker to to help his fellow man, um, fellow filmmakers. But yeah, anyway, I mean, come and see. I mean, let's talk a bit more about like why come and see has a reputation um, that precedes it a bit. Like people, you mentioned come and see, and we've often joked about it on this podcast. We kind of mention come and see in a kind of knowing uh yeah, come yeah. and see way just what like is synonymous that? with like harrowing kind of russian war energy what it what is that do you think what what makes come and see so moving and so effective and so so lasting actually why is it kind of well i actually has, think what makes it so powerful is the tenderness i think it's this paradoxical thing that actually we were we remember it as being it's a bit like this thing that thing with um you know, books about feeling, or story, songs or stories or books about feelings, we often remember the feeling of them. But actually, when you look at them, there isn't much description of feeling. It's all description of things, objects, encounters, you know. Um, and But those objects and encounters evoke feeling. And I feel like actually, I mean, it is harrowing. There are harrowing things in it. But I think the thing that leverages that harrow, that the the trouble the the harshness of it um mm. is the immense tenderness particularly early on like the f- stuff with his mother and his twins how at this in the opening some of the opening scenes he's kind of caught between he wants to go out and fight and his mum really doesn't want him to and chases after him as he's taken away to fight with the partisans and also this romance with glasha i mean she at the beginning mm. of the film she's she's sort of coming off the tail end of an affair with one of the the leaders of the partisans 
uh, she's eyeing him up at the start but um mm. there's clearly a romantic tension between yeah. floria and glasher because they're both um, of a similar similar ish age i think she's probably like similar to be 17 age. or something. yeah she's so. a little bit older i mean she's hot as well um well peng absolutely peng but anyway. um. <laughs> she looks a bit like dasha from red skirt but i suppose that's just sort of <laughs> stereotyping isn't it um, yeah a little bit but true but um, um but yeah so she but there's this really really beautiful like when they um this way in which they look after each other under literally under fire you know there's mm. the the forest they're in is bomb is rated it's air rated it's bombed um you know this amazing like shrill um haze of, of tinnitus descends upon the soundtrack um and everything starts to feel quite muffled and chaotic um but yeah and then she drags the way she she's a bit older than him and she has this sort of she she knows what's happened before he knows what's happened you know he's sort of completely in denial he's like oh my parents they'll you know my mum and my sister they'll be here that you know and like just behind him is literally like a shed against which lay like all of the people the, the whole population of his village you know yeah. um, and, in, and he just doesn't see it you know he's scene. just like and he, he's just like come here and the state is like wrote this like chaotic bumpy steady cam just like rushes after them you know it's like oh it's, it's so it's fucking scene. extraordinary but yeah that tenderness that romance <laughs> you know it obviously it would be kind of um churlish and trollish to say that this is like a rom-com or anything but like one cannot underrate the intimacy of that 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 you know that relationship in the early relationship you don't don't see her for ages until we're at the end when she's been Mm. brutally like raped is that is that her it is i didn't realize it actually i've seen the film like five Mm. times but it wasn't until this time that i realized it's her right Uh, because i was doubting him she looks quite her or not really different but she's been changed and he looks different as well like he he's he's physically aged and uh been been kind of uh destroyed by these experiences and we see that when um at the very end of the film after they've had this reckoning with these ss soldiers they've rounded up um there's another young boy who looks a lot like him at the beginning of the film and Mm. one of the partisans says new one we're leaving come on and the new one was him originally but he's actually referring to this new boy there was another boy Mm. who's going into this um crucible of war um I mean, there's a you. You talk about his his relationship with this girl. Yeah, when they go back to his village and share some soup, she vomits, and he kind of stands up, places his hands over his ears, and starts screaming and runs out the house. There is a realization that something horrifying is happening, and he does know it. I think he's in the state mm-hmm. of denial. He may not look back and see the bodies, but he knows that all the stuff is something is not right, and he knows enough to know that. If something isn't right in his context, yeah, then so the worst possible thing he is finds true, this soup is, and he's like, "Oh, it's still warm. Oh, Mum's lovely soup, you know." Mm. And he's like, "Eat up, you know." And they both eat, and then yeah, fucking hell, it's, it's so an disorienting. incredible film, incredibly disorienting. But like you said, there's moments of tenderness when they're dancing and laughing in the rain before the bomb strikes. Um, he also has a moment of laughter with one of the older partisans who he calls uncle. Um, when they're running, uh, they see a plane. There's this almost angel of death figure of this plane, German plane, which continue, often flies overhead when, before something awful is about to ha- happen. Mm. It kind of also kind of keys you up as a viewer, which is a, very, a real kindness by Klimov as well, because he's also letting you know that something horrible is about to happen. He's not trying to shock you. He's he's kind of constantly keying you up. Whereas the not, painted bird is right. trying to shock and trick you. That's the totally trying. That's why you're right. Yeah, when you call it an exploitation film, it's a Nazi exploitation film, but in the worst, not, you know, sort of not like Tinto Brass, but it's in the in the worst possible way because it's farming. Because yeah, it's, it's not camp. That's the no. thing with the painted bird. It takes itself very very seriously. So it, it doesn't. It, it the only way you can do exploitation is if you're camp, and you can do. And mm. as we, we we you know we gave a favourable review to set Salon Kitty. Yeah. You you know you're more than welcome to to take any subject matter, and and make it the source for for an exploitation film. But yeah, it's, mm. tone is fucking important. I know? think that's it because you know I think it comes from Marhol's context as well. But we said that his his kind of bad faith reason for making the film, in part. Um, you know, you could even take a film like Schindler's List by Spielberg. I mean, obviously Spielberg is, is Jewish um, and understands the context, but 
um, a much more nuanced, you know, Spielberg. I mean, the very fact that both films are black and white, I think, is a conscious thing. Uh, I think Spielberg kind of understood the context much more, and it's a very effective ending to Schindler's List, which is often the bit people don't focus on, which is the kind of scene of of, of survivors laying stones on the grave, mm. and the graves at the end, which is a very moving, effective, um, and real reminder that this is a real thing, whereas you kind of forget that in The Painted Bird. The, I think... Um, I think I said the other day that one of the problems with Come and See is that the signifier swallowed um, uh, Klimov. It's one of the reasons why we don't really remember Klimov as a filmmaker, but remember Come and See. And I think the problem with uh, Painted Bird is it's all about the filmmaker. This Mm. is, I am making a serious film about a tragedy. And it's almost like he's strip mining the tragedy for nuggets of of shock and horror. Um, I mean, it's not almost like that. It is like that. I mean, it it is, yeah. (laughs) There's like a really... (laughs) crazy like the aesthetic is just totally actually like i was really analyzing the cinema i got bored enough that i was analyzing the cinematography mm. um and um so one one example is the scene where the boy the this it's quite early on this kind of witch witchy mystic woman has um adopted him and it's an image that's been used in a lot of the publicity because it involves birds uh, mm. and he is buried in the ground just with his head above above um yeah. the earth and a bunch of crows kind of fly down and, and bite his head him and, and, and yeah. initially he can waft them away by shouting but then they they get bold and give him a proper proper biting um just like yeah not even the point i was going to make but like pff, totally like unnecessary cruelty serving no purpose demonstrating nothing just completely there to it's not consistent upset and frustrate the viewer um but yeah, so that scene um, is filmed in a really boring music video-ish way. It's just like... High contrast just, black and white. High contrast black and white. Several yeah. sort of panning shots, but it just cuts really quickly between lots of the different panning shots just to get different angles on it. There's no mm. sense of duration, of rhythm, of like... There's no sense of like... Um, sculpting in t- sculpting in time in the Tarkovsky yeah. way no sense of management of time it just seems to cut whenever it's convenient it's like a photo shoot or something just to get good angles mm. you know coverage as they say yeah like I said it's um, all about those those screen grabs that will appear in like sight and sound and exactly, whatever it's exactly. all about that it's all about the thumbnail or movie for that but film. I didn't and I see any I didn't see any like really vicious reviews of it no because it was a serious film that played up to its seriousness so what it's impossible to critique well, that's the problem and i think i think it like it's a terrible film I- it says a lot that you shared an article in earlier which was uh, in a daily mail interesting that an art film about the holocaust gets into the daily mail because it was uh, about their fights breaking out at a screening and the yeah film i was- started to wonder like the only article about this film that i agree with is in the daily mail like is, is it me that's changed like i mean i notice i'm starting to like um i'm starting to support the government more on on the handling of coronavirus i mean you know what's what's is it me is I, am i changing i don't know like genuinely like the only people the tabloid newspaper is the only outlet that were prepared to call this film what it was which mm. is like a sensationalist piece of trash. A sensationalist piece of trash. trash. The main achievement of this film is to drive people out of the cinema in horror and Mm. shock. Whereas Come and See is driving people. So uh, can I read a quote to you, actually? Um, Hmm. So um, Alez Adamovich wrote the book that Come and See was based on. He was a partisan as a teenager. So it's very much kind of autobiographical book. Um, So... This is um, Klimov talking about um, talking about come and see, uh, and he says, uh, "So he says I decided to make a film about this tragedy, and he's talking about the Katyn massacre um, mm-hmm. specifically, uh, but he's in kind of more in Poland. Yeah, that was the kind of the flair. Even though this is a film set in Belarus, but you know he's he's kind of generalizing to an extent." says, I, I perfectly understood that the film would end up a harsh one. I decided that the central role of the village lad, Fiora, would not be played by a professional actor who, upon immersion into a difficult role, would have protected himself psychologically with his accumulated acting experience, technique and skill. I wanted to find a simple boy, 14 years of age. We had to prepare him for the most difficult experiences and capture them on film. 
At the same time, he had to protect him from the stresses so he wasn't left in a loony bin after filming was over, but was returned to his mother alive and healthy. Fortunately, with Alexei Kravchenko, who played Fiora, who later became a good actor, everything went smoothly. Uh, I understood that this would be a very brutal film, and it was unlikely that people would be able to watch it. I told this to my screenplay co-author, Adamovich, and he replied, Let them not watch it then. This is something we must leave after us as evidence of war and as a plea for peace. Now, there's a sincerity to the material they're handling um, Mm. that's about collective and personal grief and trauma. Mm. Now, in the future and in the past, and when you read about Mahal's... I mean, I don't want to say that Mahal is a complete ghoul. I think he was sincere to an extent, but I think the story swallowed him a bit. Um... And you see it as much more his obsession with this kind of almost neoliberal individualism, the idea that the Holocaust would carry the one for the audience. And it has done that. It has kind of shielded the, yeah, the film from criticism. Yeah, because what else this guy made? Like his um, first film was like this comic pastiche of Raymond Chandler. Yeah, And he's this made, film seems to be like a comic pastiche of serious art house films about the Holocaust. I think he's a mediocre filmmaker that's made not much. I mean, the thing is, Klimov made comedies like... You know, but how did Klimov's- he get this brief? Like, I mean, you know, like like all these big actors and this huge budget and this huge like but clearly the big this actors- was teed up to be like one of the biggest. Art but everyone wants to be in a serious. Every a lot of like serious art house actors want to be in those serious films with budget behind them because it's career making and I know I'm saying there's a cynicalness cynicalness to this but like you don't care fucking these characters overshadow the project Harvey of the film Keitel, like what's in it for him, Harvey right? Keitel like yeah, what are you doing that's sort of, it's, a, it's something for the album isn't it it's something for the album it's like oh I was in this serious Holocaust film you know uh, Barry that, Pepper man. Barry Pepper and as well who was um, the uh, the, uh, the sniper who was an American American actor um, a, a non-Russian speaking and then the most interesting thing to me the thing that annoyed me the most about this film actually was so uh, the film was not spoken in Russian it was spoken in a pan-Slavic dialect which very few people it's like Russian Esperanto basically oh, Slavic Esperanto I looked this up Slavic, yeah. yeah so no one said no one speaks that basically it's just no like one speaks it in the same way that no thing. one speaks Esperanto, Esperanto. but and he said he wanted to generalize it because he didn't want to locate it in a particular place. I think it's again like the most re- retarded thing isn't it these languages totally like, where they're like oh oh it seems like not everyone speaks the same language let's try and come up with a language a new language that no one speaks that's a bit like <laughs> lots of the languages. Like, why? That's so fucking stupid. Why would you But even do doing that? that, even doing that, he said it was such a strain on the actors that they had to dub everyone in the film later. Mm. Um, of course. And for me, that's because everyone was struggling. Obviously, like Udo Kier, Barry Pepper. Uh, well, so Harvey Keitel had to speak in inter-Slavic. Yeah, but then they dubbed it anyway. <laughs> it's like so many levels of artifice and... I mean, Blocks and barriers. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I think it's what I'm saying. Like, come and see. I've seen it. I, the first time I saw it was about twelve years ago. Um, it's lingered with me for years since. I'm really glad I saw it again. Hmm. Um, I think that Klimov, and it's given me a renewed appreciation for Klimov. Klimov is a criminally underrated director. Um, uh, well, I just never watched any of his other films until this week. No. I just sort of watched Come and See again and again and again. I wonder what other directors there are. Who like have only seen one film? Well, we could also talk about there is a Sheptico, his his wife who died tragically just before Come and See That's was released, making she, power she, couple I mean, of, the, power of, of the Russian uh, <laughs> Russian cinema. I mean, she the ascent sh- by Larissa Shabitko is like I was going to say it's one of the uh, the the best war film, but then I think maybe Come and See is the best war film. They 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 take part in the same territory. I mean. Um, Ascent is kind of a chamber play in comparison to this because yes. it's mostly yeah, about two, two, two soldiers who uh, flee from uh, Germans through a kind of snow, like a snowbound landscape and a court. Did you get to the interrogation scene? Yes. <laughs> it's oh intense shit. With Baldy from Stalker. Anatoly is that who he is? Yeah, man, it's him. the writer from Stalker. And oh, the guy okay. who's in every Tarkovsky film, like before he fucked yep. up to Europe, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's in Andre Rublev, he's in um, Solaris, oh, he plays, the, yeah, the bald guy. He's like one of the best actors right. ever. Yeah, Tarkovsky really just lucked out in like 
mm. meeting this incredible but that's what it is man. i mean incredible bald man but the, he wears this incredibly well though like i i no longer <laughs> give a shit about the possibility of going bald i don't think you're gonna I, lose your hair after I I, no i'm not but even if i do i will just channel the spirit of anatoly solenitsyn i'm worried about i'm worried about becoming um because I, I will look like stalker i will look like the stalker himself that's my oh well that's not bad he's very handsome stalker You've got good bone structure. You'll be fine. Anyway, good is good. Yes. Men always was. I was told this a week ago. Men, men grow into their looks. Men get more and more good looking, which I think is. Oh, no. We're going to be so fit in fifty years, fifteen to twenty years. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the ascent by Sheptico is. I Incredible film, really moving, incredible. It's being incredible. released on Blu-ray by Criterion this uh, next month. Lovely, good work, guys. It, it has a this really nice scene when they get to a village and um, in the UK Criterion, like yeah, 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 in the UK, they get to a village and uh, the kind of old older um, uh, soldier kind of observes some kind of clothes hanging on a line it kind of lingers on these empty clothes on a, on a uh, kind of uh, washing line over this um house and then they kind of as he's followed by his companion it's this really tender moment where he kind of wraps his hands and his his neck in this um shawl basically to help the warmth and kind of acknowledges that he's glad they're together and it's these moments of immense tenderness in a, in a mm. world that is kind of beset by incredible self-service and violence which salvage them because the thing with Klimov and Sheptico and whatever is, you know, they're saying these horrible things happen, but I still believe that I still participate in society and, you know, I still believe there's something worth fighting for and worth saving, whereas Mahul is just, yeah, it's just, you know, oh, everyone is shit. You know, it's it's the film you make from a place of great comfort. Um, you yeah, know, the kind I of intelligence, would, would, so film intelligence, so, so. and it's like, oh, everything's shit. And it's like, it's not, though. But you don't, you don't know this. He has no knowledge of the stakes. Um, if the stakes for you are you were bullied at a private school, then fuck you. <laughs> like, the funny thing you. is, though, I sort of when I when you first said that, I thought like there probably is a way of like because we all like I don't necessarily disagree with the principle of like channeling, you know, like it's like that film The Work in the prison where you know there's a guy who's sort of like negged on by his dad, and then there's like these people who've been like brutally like nearly killed, you know. Um, and betrayed by like gang members and stuff and like there is like there's something to be said for like relating to ex- to experience in a relative way like you know it, mm. it's just because someone's like way more traumatized than you doesn't yeah. mean there isn't some way of like finding something in your own yeah you can you've to, got like, to find the empathy that. and you've got to believe um, in that but this guy just seems like a hack but then kasinski yeah. was a hack too right that's the i don't really know much about this but i i, I suspect you do <laughs> kasinski was uh quite a bit of hot water yeah, about um, supposedly. This is the author of the Painted Bird, the book that. Martin author of the Painted Bird. So my understanding of Kaczynski, and obviously I'm opening up myself, probably literally opening myself to to, to libel here, but he was um, accused of um, falsifying the story and cribbing the story that uh, Painted Bird was based on. Didn't really experience the things he done. I mean, who really knows? Like, he knows the truth. Uh, mm. He became very popular in New York. Um, uh, it was written in English. Written in English, yep. That's and the first... Um, I'm going to go, like, can I just do that? And this is a really hacky way of doing this, but... Um, so I'm going on the Wikipedia. You're a hack too. We're a hack. We're all hacks. Um, I'm not so hack. I'm very so I'm people have gone so far as to say that Kaczynski has been exposed as a literary hoaxer. Um, they've said his, his novel, while very effective and powerful... Um, uh was based on a, it's a crock of shit basically um so someone this is basically um authorship controversy there's claims that the novel was largely copied plagiarized um so the basis of the painted bird itself is suspect i think it's the best way to put it and we can obviously leave it up to people who know shit about this to kind of um uh to talk about krasinski's mystifications for themselves like i can't speak on it i just know that there's this this kind of cloud hanging over the novel i think that itself i think the fact that adamovich in come and see was a partisan wrote the novel and worked with klimov on the novel 
and on the set um attest one of the reasons why it's so powerful and mm. it's why you can scale come and see up to a kind of political and historical narrative it's you know the problem one of the problems in painted birds like we said um my whole wanted to do it in slavic he wanted to generalize it so it wasn't about any one particular place whereas you know the Kamensi was very specifically about Katyn. It was very specifically about the 628 Belarusian villages that were burned and their, their inhabitants murdered during World War II. It's very specifically located in a real context. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the film, in this incredible piece of almost comically weird archive, reversed archive footage, um, depicts the kind of cathartic murder of Hitler. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that, actually? Because it's such a weird, like, Yeah, that scene, thing. actually, I always... Whenever that scene's about to come up, because I've seen the film quite a few times, whenever that scene comes up, I'm always like, oh, oh I'm not sure I like this bit. Because it's quite relentless. And he's basically, to, for listeners um, who haven't recently watched Come and See, which <laughs> is probably most of you, because um, uh, it's not a film you want to watch every day, but, you know, it's a very good film. I think a lot of people will have just, what, like, will be listening to this many years in the future and because they've just watched Come and See. And they're like, they're oh, fresh off people, the boat, aren't here's they? people talk about it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a scene where he's shooting... He he see, he's got a gun that he's recently um, recovered from from a hiding place that he kept it, um, and um, there's a, a image of Hitler, a framed image of Hitler, kind of in this ditch, and he he shoots shoots the the image, and then as he's shoot, he repeatedly shoots it, but between each shot, there's a kind of reversed, a very manic reversed um, newsreel. Uh, that depicts basically the rise of the, you know World War Two and then coming in reverse going back to like the rise of the Nazis um, and then going back even to like World War One and then you start to see images of Hitler as a younger boy and he keeps shooting and then when you reach this like childhood image of Adolf Hitler uh, as a baby in the arms of his mother um, or sat just below his mother um yeah. uh he can't shoot shoot Hitler no. anymore um which i yeah i don't know weirdly like weirdly i feel i when i anticipate that scene i anticipate not vibing it because it seems mm. slightly banal to be like oh yeah oh we all want to kill hitler but then we realize we, he was a baby too like all uh, of us yeah. <laughs> but actually when it happens i'm always like ah oh, wow like there's maybe it's just the relief of like of the gunfire ending or like just so, mm. it's a weirdly like it's weirdly bait there's a few things in come and see that are like quite heavy-handed and I, i'm yeah. and on the nose and i'm usually quite against that but i think come and see justifies it by being it does all the work around by the stakes being very high <laughs> and yeah, also super high, yeah. by like just quality filmmaking i think you know sometimes you yeah. can just be yeah. really bait and it's i mean fine. with with the it's scene called with hitler, it was cool for i mean originally um the more wanted to call the film kill hitler that was the working title of the film mm. um and he was talking historically and also the kind of almost like the policeman in your head he was talking about the hitler in your head he was because a lot of the film what it does tussle with the child is there for a reason because one of the themes that comes up is at what point people are become almost irredeemable or are they at what point do people become evil what what makes them evil mm. which is a question painted bird never asks and never resolves it shows mm. the consequences of evil but it doesn't show the systems of it now come and see a much better title than kill hitler by the way they it, it's it a good. much better title <laughs> good that you didn't title. call it kill hitler <laughs> thank fuck i mean but one of the things about um come and see is one of the things that the Biblical quote, yes, biblical quote. Which One is also the, quoted at the beginning of the Johnny Cash song, Redemption Day. <laughs> oh, what good song. Good, good Johnny, we should uh, play out on some Johnny Cash from a uh, late Johnny Cash. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the Rick Rubin. sessions. The, the, um, the gloomy emo era. Um, so one of the Nazi officers during the carnivalesque burning of this village, uh, which is a very, very, very difficult scene to watch um, for its relentlessness, it... Later, one of the soldiers who's captured uh, was one of the men who was giving the orders at this 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 bloodletting, and the 
kind of Belarusian guy who's on the German side is defected is explaining he says he is the man that said we must kill the children um and the soldier who is the, the kind of German soldier who gave the order stands up and he's very vehement in his belief like he's kind of facing down the guns and he says um yes I believe that the children should be killed because this is uh this is where it begins this is where it starts and there's almost a belief that um uh Klimov is saying no uh, people are made evil by society they're not born evil mm. and it's part of the reason why the child Fiora can't shoot the baby Hitler and it's a ridiculous sentence to say but he can't do it <laughs> would you kill baby Hitler would you kill baby Hitler if you could which come back always, in time would you do it it's always been a very silly question to it's ask such a because babe course, fucking question of course you wouldn't do it I mean <laughs> I mean it's it's um yeah, it's it, it kind of raises that question. I think it's saying that it's saying where the the issue the, the fundamental divide he's really saying between Soviet society and German society arguably is that the Nazis believe that it, it's almost like original sin. They're the Catholics almost in that you know you are inherently evil, you're inherently sinful. Whereas he's not saying that. He's saying that people yeah, the are Nazis made believe you that it's essentialized your your quality yeah. and your nature. That's why yeah, they were fascists. The the That's why they yeah. killed people based on their race because they believed that the the goodness in people was something that was hardwired into their genetics. Mm. And he's, um, he's painting so, a so different... Yeah, if you, if you think killing baby Hitler would stop there being a fascist leader in Germany 40 years later, then uh, you are following the logics of, of the fascism itself. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the well essentializing done. nature of it. Well done. <laughs> That's the last thing we wanted to happen. Um, but he does say that and it's another reason why Klimov's come and see is so powerful because it has that very strong moral backbone in it I cannot mm. see that in Painted Burge I cannot it's so obsessed with this these episodic evils and it's like who will we have next in this uh, who's who I've got of violence you know it's it's drab because of that and it doesn't it it, it, it dis- does a disservice to the severity of its content and its themes by doing that, I think. I've got three points to make. Um, Go two of them are corrections, and one of them is just a, a quip oh, that I, a, I was going to make earlier. Um, when I was younger, um, I alphabetized my DVD and Blu ray collection, and I was always kind of amused that at the beginning of T, uh, I would see uh, Tarantino. Tarkovsky and Tar all very close together because <laughs> all their names begin with T A R, uh, and I I never imagined that I would ever see a film which combined <laughs> the influence of those three <laughs> three directors. But Painted Bird is is that film um, in a, in the worst possible way. Yeah. Uh, the other two feet. points are some mistakes I've made during this podcast. Uh, some errors, some, some errors. The Katyn massacre did not take place in Poland. It took place in Russia. It was a series of mass executions of Polish military officers. officers. Yeah, but not on the land of Poland itself. But not yeah, on the yeah. land of Poland. It's quite. It's we're not. We we, we accept Russia our mistakes. We accept the other mistake podcast was the um, and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, "Come and see." And I saw, and behold, a white horse. Uh, does not come at the beginning of Redemption Day by Johnny Cash. It comes at the beginning of oh. The Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Um, <laughs> same era. I think same album. Even, same maybe. era. You're um, talking about all No, that's the, another uh, mistake I'm going to have to correct. Redemption Day, Cash. Because well, he did all those albums we, with I like, believe the that people are redeemable, fundamentally redeemable. <laughs> I believe that your mistakes were not essentialized. I do not believe that you were inherently prone to mistakes. I believe it's come about through shoddy research um, and the influence Just of wine. remembering things badly. Yeah, it was a different album. It's um, Redemption Day is on Ain't No Grave. Um Whereas it's funny that you were talking about uh, comes around, comes Johnny Cash because I was having a bit of a Johnny Cash revival last weekend. Um, oh yeah, thinking about his American recordings, a series of albums he made with Mercury, not Mercury Records. Sorry, I'm uh, completely fucking it up. Um, but American recordings were done. I'm going to fuck this up. I'm actually looking now. Uh, so the man comes around was, was on the album called Rick The Man Rubin. Comes Around. It's produced yeah. by Rick Rubin. 
which is controversial. Of a lot of people feel that, mm. that, they, that they that it was a sort of um, an appropriation, don't they? That Rick Rubin kind of turned Cash into like an emo, and that's well, now what Cash is sort of remembered for. Most of Did his most famous songs are now on their valves. Yeah, but he had to. Evolve, he he evolved his music in a way that was. He looked back. I think and it was yeah. It was these six albums he made at the end of his life. The last one being "Ain't No Grave," um, mm. and actually "Ain't No Grave" being the most powerful because he was staring down the barrel of his own death. Um, but incredible, yeah. Rick Rubin produced uh, "Hundred Highways" and "Ain't No Grave" like the last few years of his life, and both insanely good albums. I don't care about if there's appropriation going on. They are amazing. They are very good. And I was having a like re, I was rebathing in the glory of those kind of. Uh, gravelly albums. Mm, I yeah, think no, they are sick. They are sick. They are sick. Uh, I don't know they why are I said really that. Um, I think it's they, just because it's his Cash's early work is so different. So different. But and then he wouldn't. Have, it's more that you get the feeling that he's close to death, but that he's but the the Ruben is kind of you know because Ruben works with like Linkin Park and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jay Z and it's kind of funny like what he does to Johnny Cash's sound just feels so. Mm. Um, this is not a music, a music podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but no, okay. it could be. It could become what one. he does to Johnny Cash's sound seems so radically different that it feels like to what mm. Cash did before. Well, he and it's sort of much darker, and you just feel maybe he's maybe there's an element of that being like transplanted onto Cash. Mm. I think there's another projection projection here. No, I think there's another projection um, going on. The choice of like covering Nine Inch Nails. Um, yeah like you know um, it's a very it's a very yeah depression it was a very like self-aware process but i think i think cash was he wouldn't have done six albums you know and it obviously brought him like he's like uh (laughs) was it like um alzheimer's (laughs) he was just like like, oh Oh, what what uh pick up the guitar nine inch nails (laughs) (laughs) just uh (laughs) um it's okay johnny we're we're just just read the lyrics off the screen yeah can you remember the chords a d e (laughs) just play the chords you can remember that can't you yeah the fingers remember the brain doesn't um it's actually funny that um but yeah we're we're kind of kind of going off we've done an hour We've done our yeah. My final thoughts are: if you're going to uh, watch a film uh, this weekend, do not waste your time with the painted bird. Give your yeah, heart and soul bird. to come and see. Um, it is not as in my mind. I built up to built it up to a larger bogeyman. I think as an adult, it's it's horrors are multiplied because of the um, the kind of complicity and the whatever but i think the the tenderness i didn't see there originally and the beauty i didn't necessarily see when i first saw it um it's got a great capacity for beauty the fact Mm. that you know i'll talk about one final scene which is when uh he the the young fiora steals a cow off a um tries to steal a cart sorry off a peasant and the uh because he believes he's got to bring food back to the people of the village uh the peasant kind of like rejects he's like comrade what are you doing um you know, kind of Fiora tries to, act, tries to act the big man and points his gun at the guy, and the guy's just incredibly warm and gentle and nice. And he's like, "No, no, no! Put your gun away! What are you doing?" The Germans are coming, and he he adopts him basically for that moment and kind of hides him and protects him. Um, oh. An act that is incapable of happening so in the Painted Bird because everyone who tries to look after uh, the character in Painted Bird in some way defiles him or hurts him or wounds him or has an ulterior motive that does Absolutely. not happen. It's mechanical in the way it happens. Scene. It's yeah. just it not is completely mechanical because it's, it's like, oh, another character. How is this character going to abuse this child? And I think, yeah, it's a film made from like a place of paranoia rather than from a place of genuine trauma. Yeah, um, but it's all manufactured paranoia. It's all just like, yeah, fake. The the one that I wanted to thank you for bringing these films together, and also I'm somewhat relieved because ma- making me watch the Painted Bird made <laughs> me think that you were actually a fan of it. And that we were going to no. have some kind of painful Jodorowsky Beef. moment, but um, yeah. no, I well done for watching it a second time. I'm never going to watch the painted bird ever again. I think it's <laughs> no, I've, I'm done. I, um, I, I wanted to. I believe that I might have been wrong, and I was like, I'm going to watch it one more time yeah, and just yeah. give it the, the benefit of the doubt. But I, yeah, my my doubt is confirmed, and um, my love of Klimov, um, peoples here of the Soviet Union, strengthened is confirmed, substantiated. And yeah, and I was just saying to my flatmate, like. Oh, you know, for the podcast, I'm I'm reviewing this uh, 
this film about like World War Two and this boy and all these terrible things that happen. It's just a bit depressing. And and flat, my flatmate said, "Oh, oh, that reminds me a bit of a a really oh harrowing um, film about all these terrible things happening in Ukraine or Belarus or somewhere." And I was like, it "Wasn't come and see?" Was it? <laughs> he was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I was in, I thought well, and I said, "We're also reviewing Come and See." Um, but I believe Come and See is a fantastic movie. Yeah. And I wanted to, in that moment, I wanted to somehow express why I was frustrated with Painted Bird in a way that I would never mm. be frustrated with Come and See. And I feel yeah. like in this in this hour, we have got to the nub of that. Can I issue one more correction as well for myself? Feel free. Klimov did not become head of Goskino. He became head of the State Union um, of uh, Soviet filmmakers. We're very um, humble here at MoveTube. Yeah, we, we always really are. issue our corrections. We're doing the I feel Boris like we mea culpa. Yeah, well, Boris, well, Boris Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Boris Johnson's mea culpa. Um, we're doing Did that you do a mea sincere. culpa for what? Uh, 100,000 people dying under his mismanagement of COVID. Oh, did he? See, I'm not really yeah. on social media. I don't see any of these things. That's good. Good for him, man. No, it was really insincere, though. Okay. It's like, we're not going to learn. No, we're not getting into that. The less I look at social media, the more like tolerant <laughs> I am of the government. I, put a, really I flicked a fly in the ointment of your uh, your mom. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> anyway, fuck it. Um, ha- have fun, everyone. Stay yeah, safe. Yeah, thank you. For-